Hey, everybody. It is Lady D here again, jumping on because we have another bonus episode for you all this season. So Lady H and I decided we want to harp on back to our romance roots. And we decided with our group of friends, podcast friends, real life friends, that we were going to read Tia Williams' The Perfect Vine. So this is a bonus where we get to go back to romance. And the way that this can tie in is because love is immortal. Big heart hopefully see you in a couple of weeks for a new episode and i hope that you enjoy this one talk to you soon bye hey everyone it is lady d here and i have lady h somewhere over there you sure do what's up (laughs) and we are back for another episode of watch with you pod but read with us as well as watch with us. And we have some of our favorite people here today. We have Madame Lizette. Hi, hi, hi. Thank you for having me back. (laughs) And we have Mo back again. Good evening. And we are here to talk about Tia Williams' The Perfect Find, the novel and the movie. I'm going to read the synopsis of Tia Williams' book, and then I will read Netflix synopsis of their movie, and then we will dive in headfirst into both. Jenna Jones is broke and desperate for a second chance when she is dumped by her longtime fiance and fired from Darling Magazine. She begs for a job from her old arch nemesis, Darcy Vale. But Jenna soon realizes she's in over her head. She's working with digital savvy millennials half her age, has never even Twittered, and pretends to still be a fashion somebody while living a lifestyle lie. She sold her designer wardrobe to afford her sketchy studio and now quietly wears Walmart's finest. Worse, the 22-year-old videographer assigned to shoot her web series is driving her crazy. Wildly sexy, with a smile Jenna feels in her thighs, Eric combs his way off limits, but almost too delicious to resist. Written by the best-selling author of The Accidental Diva, The Perfect Find is scandalously sexy, laugh-out-loud saga of star-crossed love and starting over. That is the synopsis of the book. While Netflix says, for their movie, a fashion editor, Gabrielle Union, starts over at 40 in this chic and seductive age gap rom-com based on the novel by best-selling author Tia Williams. That is so underwhelming of a description of a movie, I just have to say. That's because it was so underwhelming of a movie. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> um, are you telling us how you feel about the movie in uh, one sentence? Yes. <laughs> okay. Does anybody else want to pipe in and start with how they felt overall about this movie? Adaptation of the book. 
so I thought the movie was cute. I think everyone was casted well, but they made, or maybe not even made changes, but they omitted too many things that I enjoyed about the book that kind of threw me off. Okay. I agree. When you watch the movie, and I'm just like, oh, they just jumping right into the deep end, no dipping your toe in and nothing like that. It's going straight in. It was just, you're getting right to the meat and potatoes. So there are some changes they made to the book in the movie that I liked, but, and it made some characters more likable or even in a form made Jenna's character more likable. But at the same time, I preferred the ending that we got in the book and how we got there to what we did in the movie. And we can get all into that as we go. Yes, please. Well, I don't know. I, I like the cast. I did like that. Um, I don't like my ending of this movie because I preferred the book ending. I'm with Madame Lizette. All right. So what do we want to talk about? Do we want to talk about who was casted for which characters versus the book? Do we like who we saw? Okay, Cody Rhodes. What? Um that's a wrestling reference. I, well, um, I know I got that part. You <laughs> know, I have no idea what it all means. I know. He starts every promo with, so what do you want to talk about? Having said that, I, I liked who they got for most of the people. I can say that I came to the book after having read, um, I read it in like a reverse order. So I read Seven Days in June first. And then I I think I read Accidental Diva and then A Perfect Fine. So Billy is not who I thought. Uh, Aisha Hines, I love her. I think she's the best Harriet Tubman ever and she's woefully underutilized. And I want to see her in more parts. But Billy, she was, they kind of relegated that character like as a talk to and just as the mother to kind of showcase Jenna's ticking biological clock. So I, I didn't feel as though that that casting was the best. I like Gina Torres. I like how they added the fact that she is Afro-Latina into the cast and I like how they changed it. But originally it was supposed to be Niecy Nash. And I would have liked to have seen what Niecy Nash would have brought to this role, especially as written in the book and not the changes they made to Darcy for the movie. So I like Gina Torres for the changes, but I would have liked to have seen Nisi for the book. I think that Keith was fine. I think that Gabrielle Union is fine. And uh, Jungle Pussy, Stuncast, T.S. Madison as Greta. I'm not gonna lie, kind of disappointed. And the reason why is I wanted more of her. We didn't get a chance to really see what the recording, so it's like their interaction with Jenna and um, Eric trying to get a an interview with, with Greta. Finding out it's a disaster because of Taraji P. Henson and then trying to show that footage to Darcy. Like, we didn't get any of that. So T.S. Madison, to me, did a really good job and... We didn't get a lot of her. So I kind of wanted more. And I thought that there was an opportunity for more comedy. Other than that, I mean, yeah, I think everybody was good. It's just that 
a lot of roles got downcast from the book to the to the uh, movie. And I think overall, it just felt so condensed that it was rushed. Well, I think unless you're doing a three-hour movie adaptation, I think most books are condensed and rushed unless it's more than two to three hours. And this was not a two-hour movie. It was only an hour and 40 minutes. They could have done more. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that they sacrificed a lot of the chemistry building because one of the parts in the book was about how Eric and Jenna created their perfect find um, web series right? And, and, and the artistry behind that and what made it such a, besides the fact that they're both artists and good at their job, was the chemistry between the two. And the word that they used in the book was that it was foreplay. So we had an opportunity to see the chemistry build in a way that in the book, in this less than 400 pages, then we got, I feel, to see in the movie. Okay. So the movie, as I was watching it, and I want to say that I literally just watched the movie like two hours ago. It felt like a picture book. Like it felt like they took this book that I read that I really enjoyed and was like, here's five seconds of the first quarter of the book. Here's another five seconds of the next quarter of the book. Here's the, and so it all, at some points it felt a little like disjointed to me. I wanted to see the awkwardness of them working together before Greta, not just ending up at Greta's front door. I wanted to actually see the scene where he's helping her find her voice on camera and not that weird like white girl voice right and that she's used to having I wanted to see that in live action I thought that the dinner party would be different I don't like the fact that Lala was Elodie I thought Alicia was gonna be Elodie I thought she made a much better Elodie in my opinion um, and then my least favorite thing was like there was so much less May like May May is a very even though she's an insignificant character in a way, she's a driving force to show that Jenna wants children based off of like how much effort she puts into being such a good godparent. And they were just like, yeah, no May May until bam. <laughs> like, and I was just like, oh, okay. Well, we left off some things getting here because when you meet May at that point of the movie, you don't know that May is that important and significant. And they make it more about Jenna and her jealousy with Madison being there, which in the book, we never meet Madison outside of like him saying, she's my ex and they're having that whole conversation in the cab. Like it was just like, but she wasn't even at it. Like it was weird to take the jealousy off of him and put it on her and make her look like the overbearing I'm jealous I need you to reassure me when that's not how it happens in the books at all or in the book at all like little stuff like that I was just like well no that's mm." and I miss those conversations that she was having with her friends and his friends about how different their lives were 
and how it wasn't going to work. We didn't get any of that. We got Tim for like two scenes, three scenes maybe. And I was like, Tim was much more integral to this story than we give him credence in this movie. So there were just little things like that that I was like, if you've never read the book, you would never feel the disgruntledness of it. Um, but as a person who has read the book, it was like, well, that's missing and missing and where's her husband? <laughs> like that was where's her child? I'm confused. So that's how I felt about it as I was watching it, even though it did make me laugh out loud. I did enjoy what I was seeing, but I still was like, that's not how that happens in the book. That's well, somebody's missing or there's a scene that's not here or something like that. Feeling like the adaptation to was almost more like an original screenplay than an adaptation from the book? At moments, yes. There were certain things that they kept. So Jenna describing the kind of love she wanted, I was really happy they kept that scene from the book because I think the way that she describes the love that she wants, something that's so filthy and nasty. And like, I really, really love how she describes that because that's kind of like a love that I want. Um, myself or one that I feel like I'm experiencing right now or that can grow into that right so I really appreciated that I I appreciated the fact that they did kind of show their common knowledge and love for film and them even cutting in the old you know black and white movies into the movie I thought that that was a really dope change and even the part where like the first time they've had sex in the movie but to us that happens after they've been having sex together in the books for a while, but them talking about the future and all that. Like I, I enjoyed watching that come to life, but then like the dinner party didn't go the way that I envisioned. Right. Like it didn't look like the way that it's described in the book. Um, may being may, may may being missing. I was like, Oh, I don't really like that either. Cause she's so important to show how much Jenna loves being, like a bonus mom in a form. And then while I didn't like Brian's, like I thought Brian's mother was trying to manipulate Jenna in a form. Um, I don't like the fact that she just died. Like we don't get, we don't get the call, the phone call and how she calls her and tells her like, I love you. You're my favorite. I'm never going to like the new girl that he dates. Hell, the new girl's not even in the book, in the movie, like all of that stuff. It's just like, well, the, the, there's some parts that are missing. And this feels a little bit, disjointed from what I read. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I liked Brian's mom conversations in the book, so... You just gotta look at the fact that that whole dynamic was changed as well, too, because as soon as I seen I think it's D.B. Woodside, and I was like, oh, they definitely went in with the changes, because in the book, Brian was clearly white, and, you know, the mother was making references to mixed grandkids and things like that. Like you said, we didn't get none of that. We didn't get the, we got the whole, he told her, he like, she died and everything. He got, we got that in the book, but we didn't get that whole phone call, the whole, you know, just that relationship that they built up and everything. Yeah. I think by changing the, you know, the race, it does take a little bit off from the storyline too. And also from the author of the book, because I think she puts a little bit of herself in it too. Um, I think that Brian and Jenna, because they met in college their freshman year and they were together for 20 years, not 10 years, 20 years, that 
when they broke up, it was tantamount to a divorce. And the reason why I think that, and I think that we also need to say that this is an age gap romance where Jenna is 30, 39, maybe they even just said 40. And Eric is in his early 20s as a, um, not 22, I think. Uh, they said that he has a master's from USC. So he may be like 23, 24. But uh, it's an age gap romance where this is a May-December romance. And um, what we got a chance to see is how they connected as in like the soul connection of having some common interests like classical mover, uh, movies and Nina Mae McKinney and um, some other references, obscure Black Hollywood references and other things. And then in terms of relationship, because Jenna had really been with only one man and was so devastated when that broke up, she was she and Eric kind of met in the middle with their expectations of relationships. So I think that when we think about Jenna and her big age, you're like, yo, what are you doing? You, Madame's like, you mentioned like the jealousy about the birthday party and how she reacted. And it's like, and and in the book and in the movie, there were times where Jenna came off as immature. But when you think about where she was in her life and the starting over, in a lot of ways, she and Eric were at the same place. Now, there was some other life and living that Jenna had over over Eric, including the ticking biological clock and saying, like, I actually don't have a lot of time to do some of these things where you have your life ahead of you. And that was the tension that was more present in the book than it was in the movie. I think in the movie, that miscommunication was more like a rom-com thing because he said an offhanded comment to someone that says, oh, I don't have the parenting gene. And so she took that as gospel. But uh, I want to say for the record, two things. Number one, that this podcast is being brought to you by uh, Crown Royale Peach. So I do not know what I'm saying. And secondly, that <laughs> I'm just being real because I'm like, I think my it's tongue. Tequila, but we all right. <laughs> Yo. Okay. And she had off ice. <laughs> we look at you. We going hard, and she's like, "It's very nice ice." Like, girl, if you don't take your Kool Aid, but in in all seriousness, not Kool Aid. Um, <laughs> you know, Jay out here being a whole hater. <laughs> no, stuff, stuff we snuck on the bus <laughs> in high school. I know. Like, what Listen. are we? Fifteen? We got some St. Ives Cricket letter. What is this? I'm sorry. Well, wow. You, you I can't always be going, yes. I can't, this, you know, these are only a few hundred calories versus, you know, a lot. Versus what I'm doing. Uh, but yeah, all right, you know, true, fair, fair, fair. But I, I want to say that I'm down with the adaptation and saying I don't need all of the, the movie to be beat for beat recreation of the book because I have the book and I can go back and have, I'm lucky enough to have the hard copy of the book so I can revisit it in you know Eric and Jenna and Elodie and Billy and Jay and May May and every Tim and and uh, everybody as Tia saw them but I just felt that there were some changes that worked for me and some that didn't and it can be condensed but I wanted to feel like this is a romance this is a romantic comedy and I wanted to feel as 
especially because it was an age gap romance with an older woman and a younger man, that they were really meant to be together, that age doesn't matter, that the haters don't matter, that without a shadow of a doubt, that Jenna was Eric's person, that Eric was Jenna's person. And the promise of romance of, and they lived happily ever after, would have been fulfilled. And I'm saying that I can't walk away with that with the movie. And because of that, I was left a little unfulfilled and disappointed. Visually, it was very pretty, but I almost wanted a little bit more because it was pretty. Because the music, also, we have to talk about that, was good. So you were saying, and then I'm going to shut up, uh, Madame Lizette, about it being pretty and it being a picture book. One of the adaptations that I felt was successful, but I wanted more of, was in the book, the perfect find was Jenna finding people with great style and then being their fairy godmother, going to their place or wherever, going through their closet and you know discussing what makes their style, giving them $50 to have a their perfect find made and then making a limited run for their piece and putting it on a website. And I mean, that was one of the things that drove traffic to the website. And then Eric, because they had these really great descriptions of people, made everybody an icon. So some people were in black and white, some people, you know, like really stylized versions of these people. Now for the movie, they decided to use old Hollywood. And we had Remy Ma doing Carmen Jones. I thought that was really great, but we only got the one. So whereas we could have had somebody do that, I oh God, I can just see Jasmine got Tisha Campbell and licking my man's head. Uh, school days, well, we saw them do that in the drive-in theater. I would have much rather them recreate something like that in terms of style icons and having like a gamma ray, like suit built or, or, or item built, something like that. So, or different clothing items from our classic movies. Can you imagine a coming to America scene, you know, of, of somebody coming down with rose petals being thrown at their feet, something along those lines or even was a Harlem blues? No, that way that's the song. So you know I'm drinking. Harlem was Nights. Harlem Nights. So you see what I'm saying? Like, or a Harlem Nights thing, where it could have been, you could have also done the retro thing and bringing in those the designer that we met at the farmer's market. Something, something a little bit more that showed their um their chemistry and how well they worked together, that foreplay. But as we got it, after the dinner party, they fucking, I was like, what? We here already? I just felt like they, it jumped too far and I didn't necessarily feel that they would last the test of time. So I hate saying they removed the romance from the from the book and the movie because I do think there were parts of the movie that were romantic, like him showing up at her house with the champagne and that walk they take and her trying to be like, we shouldn't do this. And him be like, girl, whatever. Um, I'm going to ruin you. Yeah. And I was like, me too. Right here. I understand. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> like, 
<laughs> Let me text my man right quick. I got you. Um, but <laughs> just gonna rub it in. <laughs> look, he never mind. Oh, uh, we can talk about it later. But I liked the photo shoots that they did. I did a I like the one they did with Remy Ma. It was really dope to see Remy. She looked really good too. I like the photo shoots they did, like doing um kind of it looked like in a form like different generations of movie styles art styles um i thought that was really pretty and then the like montage they kind of put together so we could see what it looked like when jenna was looking at the counter or whatever to see that they got to like a million followers million subscribers or whatever i enjoyed that instead of giving us a bunch of different people or characters to learn and get to know because i understand in a book you have more time to just kind of know these people in a movie our attention spans are shorter, so you gotta gotta throw them at us. And so the less characters you give us, the better. I do like that Becca ended up being the designer, but her being the designer means I never like I never saw her outside of that one scene. She's like, oh my god, I can't believe you're here. And Jenna's like, your art, your you know, your clothing is so dope. And I have the you know, and then saying like I have this perfect person who could make the perfect find for us. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, yeah, but we don't never see Becca no more, and we never see the the perfect find pieces. We never. I don't think people actually understand that the perfect find was not necessarily about their relationship, but about like this series that they created that developed their relationship, which is something that in the book they make a point to emphasize that the perfect find was about finding your favorite item, having it created for what was it, less than $50 or at $50. And they were going to sell like a hundred different versions of it and after the hundred was sold in that limited release that was the end of it that was what the perfect find was them at the end becoming the perfect find is just showing how their jobs blossomed their relationship and that little bit of context might have been important i wonder if this would have been more enjoyable if they would have made it like a one season type show where you get 30 minute, 45 minute episodes. And so then it, you can, you have more time to flesh out the story, but making this a hour and a half long movie that feels kind of choppy if you've read the books and you don't really feel the romance doesn't make it super enjoyable. I did like a change they made to Jenna's mom um, and shout out to the dark skin Aunt Viv because I liked the fact that in the movie she was involved and nice and sweet and she embraced her child while in the book we know that Jenna's and her mom had like a not so great relationship her and her parents didn't really get along like she sold all her stuff and she felt more desperate in the book than she felt in the movie too and I thought her little tiny apartment was cute they were being haters but either way like it's New York like it's supposed to be tiny and cute Right. And I thought that it was tiny and cute. Like, I thought it did what it was supposed to do. So listening to people like hate on it throughout the book and even in the movie, the only time it ever felt small was during the dinner party. I think I envisioned her apartment to be slightly bigger. And so the dinner party felt intimate, but not as tight. But even still, I just, there are just little things about the movie that I'm like, hey, y'all should go read book. You missed out on some things. Like you you missed out on them watching them fall in love. That's what it feels like. You missed out on watching them fall in love. So two things real quick. First, yes, all black all skin all viv um being in the movie was a great touch because we didn't really get any interactions with we didn't get I don't think we got any interactions between Jenna and her mother in the book. And it just added twist to it. You know, it was just funny in the beginning of the movie. She was like, you know, your dad 
She's like, your dad won't touch me as long as you're here. And I was like, oh, that's real rich. And second, Godfrey, the comedian Godfrey, he was set up as a love interest. I can't, the, the guy's name escapes my um, my mind right now, but I was just like, I didn't picture that at all right there. I was just like, that was- I didn't was, either. <laughs> I will say, actually, <laughs> I didn't either. I was like, Godfrey? And that was all I had. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, no, I was like, I, not for me. And then it was the whole being, you know, who's doing this and who's doing that. And I was like, wow, y'all really doing this. <laughs> well, wait, can I ask you from a male perspective, what did you think of the conversations between Eric and Godfrey, especially when it got to the point where he was like, yo, call me son one more time? It was definitely the whole male ego being front and center. They both vying for the attention of the woman. So one is definitely going to be added extra, extra saucy with their insults and everything. It was just, that was just that whole male ego, just like I said, front and center. He was basically just jealous that he was dead. He basically just had to try to update. What about that conversation that ended it where the conversation between Jenna and Look at us. None of us know Godfrey's character's name, but Godfrey's character. Just generally, what did you think about that scene and that conversation? <laughs> you always put me on the spot. Is it Jimmy? Because I'm looking at, I've opened up Fable and it's, it says Jiminy Cricket. So I think it's Jimmy. It might, might be Jimmy. James Thunder Early. Let's call him that. Um, <laughs> Jimmy got sold. That's right. Because that's what he was acting like. Like, hey, kids. All right. Um, but essentially, the. the he started feeling away because he's 50 years old, had not been married, did not have any kids, didn't even have a fiance. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but when Jenna was asking and she said, oh, he said that it was the tone that she had where he, in my estimation, started projecting on her like, oh, you one of those women. And she's like, what, what, what? And that's kind of when Keith had to step in, like, calm down, old head. But, um, right. yeah, so I just wanted to know, like, as a male looking at that, did you detect a tone? Or is that something that you've come across as, okay, you're of a certain age, and if you don't have children or, you know, the, the League of Baby Mamas, and um, hearts broken in your wake that all of a sudden women or potential partners find something wrong with you. Oh, that's oh, okay. Now that you said it, let's let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's break it down. So for me personally, that is, I'm not gonna say a sore spot, but you know, if I go, go out on a date and meet someone, and you know, they see you don't have no kids and look at you like, what's wrong with you? Why you don't have no kids? You ain't want no kids. Everything they, like you know, it was basically me saying I ain't want no kids. I was like, no, I want the kids, but it just didn't happen. Um, and it's just always when I just see that conversation, it's like sometimes it doesn't happen. You know, they don't get they don't get the um, people don't seem to understand that not everybody just falls into that category of having kids and everything. And it's like, you don't say like, well, you don't have no kids, but look at you like, what you mean you don't have no kids? Like, that's the first question they ask you, how many kids you have? And it's like, none. You know, if you don't have like no pictures, no pictures of your kids on your profile or 
either think you hiding them or things like that. And it's like, no, nah, I just don't have them. And they look at you like, is there something wrong with you? you like, you sure? And he's like, you just go ahead, go ahead and throw the whole, the whole oh, you gay or something? I'm like, what? Like, Where did that come from? <laughs> you know, I'm like, no, nah, it just didn't happen. So it might have been, he might have just been feeling that way about that conversation, you know, because some people, they do just kind of like, when when the person say they don't have kids, they kind of get judged in a way about that decision. And it's like, it might not even be a personal decision, but it's been just something, like I said, it just didn't materialize. And people just, I would just wish that people would just understand that, you know, like, hey, like, don't have no kids, you know, it's fine, you know, life is going to continue, you know. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's I can understand that. So you think that that scene was relevant? Very relevant, so to speak. Were you happy with how it played out? <laughs> or do you wish not, that they took it a little bit more seriously and not played it for comedic effect? I get, you know, what how they, what they were doing in the story, you know, how it just played out, but you know, you just have to realize that not everybody's going to just have, I guess not everybody can walk around and having kids or anything like that. You know, it's not, I don't want to say it's just, you know, like they just say the anti-kids and everything. It's not the case. It's just, you know, it's just might be going on where they can't. It just hasn't happened yet. I'll just say that. And if they would have just played it like series right there, then, you know, it but just brought like a different tone to the to that whole scene and everything. It probably would have played out differently with how that relationship between Eric and um Lena developed. I know when I watched the movie, and I don't know if this was intentional, but it felt like they were trying to show all these black women in a more positive light. So Jenna didn't have to be the bitter older woman. Gina Torres wasn't like this awful mother figure, she was a little bit more considerate and caring for Eric in a form. And then Eric also, in the book, he stands up to his mother. In the book, he tells her, like, this is the woman that I wanted to be with. This is the woman I want to be with. You don't get a say in that. And if you feel like you have a say in that, I'll just tell all your business. Like, it felt very much so that they didn't want to show black women in a negative light. And I don't know if I really like that because I think that we need to stop acting as if we are a monolith. There are some black women out here who are not motherly, who are not good parents, who are in a form destructive and selfish. And that's okay to show that on, on screen. They softened Darcy and made her more likable in the in the movie than she actually is in the books and in a form they made Gina not feel so desperate for a family and kid or family and a husband and all of that when clearly in the book she is very desperate for those things that there it's very important to her like her telling Eric maybe this is the new future and it'll be different I'm like no girl you want a husband and you want kids like that is what you wanted you left Brian because he wasn't willing to give you a husband and kids stand on that be desperate for that want that at your age um and even the ending i know we're going to talk about the ending because it's completely different from the books she stands on the fact that she's like i'm gonna have a child i'll do whatever i need to like i'll make the sacrifice because this is what i want and 
in the movie, they were like, no, don't, don't make her look that bad. And I'm like, nah, make her look that bad because there are women out there who can see themselves in Jenna, who want exactly what she wants, who have that same set of desperations. And then in Godfrey, he just kind of felt like he was, he was jealous of this younger kid. It's like they flipped it on the head instead of the woman being jealous of her husband dating someone or ex-husband, whatever, dating someone, you know, 20 years, his junior. Instead, Godfrey's over there pouting because he's like, dang, Gina's way more into Eric than he is in me or into me. And I'm like, no, 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 Godfrey, you should. In the book, it's more like, he's like, nah, I have this business. I'm this attractive man. Yeah, I ain't got no kids. And he's insecure about it. Like you can tell he is. But there's a confidence about him that Godfrey does not have in the movies that bother me. Um, but that's what I got. Okay. I'm going to ask, who's your favorite character? Elodie was my favorite character in the books. In the movie, I don't know if I have a favorite for the movie. Like, I really, really grab art. I don't have strong feelings about anybody in the movie in the same way that I have, like, these stronger feelings about the people in the books. I like Eric's character in the book, and I like the dynamic that he had with Timmy, his best friend, like that whole dynamic that they had and everything. Um, in the movie, I liked um, Gina Torres as Darcy. She definitely was the whole movie for me. Mo, I can agree with that. I think if I had to pick someone, Gina Torres as Darcy felt perfect. Like, And Darcy felt so much cooler in the movie than she is in the books. Oh, see, I disagree. See, Darcy was my choice for the book and the movie. Oh, wow. okay. okay. Yeah, well, we must have been on the same page, Lady H, because I like Darcy both times. Yeah, they're very different. In the book, we kind of touched on it, but let's go hard on it. Darcy was like, yo, I roll with these goons. And... um <laughs> <laughs> she also, just in case you saw acting familiar, but no, in all seriousness, so she is a person that left Eric to go have a threesome with DMX and Foxy Brown. She is a person who slept with somebody and, well, she slept with a lot of people, flash boobs to kind of get what she wanted for, not just for herself and position for herself, but also for her son. She also was like, was not above blackmail and and understanding the currency of information to get to maneuver people where she wanted them to like i think that in the book they even had a line where she was at a music video shoot befriended a video vixen and then got her boyfriend to pay her rent for a year like she had no consumption and she talked to both book darcy and movie Darcy talked to Jenna and was like, yeah, you know who I am. You know what I do. And I don't, I don't kind of understand how you kind of got away with it, but your hands are dirty too. She kind of relished her, her dirty hands. And she even said, especially in a book, yo, you are playing this goody two shoes role in this blind role, but your boyfriend, Brian, fiance did not make the money that he made without getting his hands dirty. In some ways, I feel like Brian and Darcy would have made a perfect power couple. Mm. Having said that, movie Darcy 
who led with compassion. I don't think that she had the same backstory in terms of getting pregnant at 16, being abandoned and doing everything. Like she was saying that one of her disappointments with Eric is the fact that she positioned him to be in school with people of power. You mentioned Tim Reese and who were his fathers, Broadway producers. And he was like, yo, you are in position, you went to school with uh, children who have money, whose parents have money, and you're not using your connections to your benefit. So if it was me, I would have sucked and fucked my way through to have mm-hmm. my film in the festivals. I would have done those things and you're not. Like, you don't have the fire or the drive. That's why she could look at Eric and when she caught uh, him fucking or giving head to Jenna, real bold, real bold, in her house and was like, shut up, the grown women are talking. Because you don't have what it takes. You're not willing to do what it is, do whatever it is you need to do to prove that you are a veil and we win. Something. But I like the fact that she had compassion, especially towards the end when she told Jenna, look, there will be no generation of curses here. I will not do to you what my parents did to me. So I'm going to support you and I'm going to make my son support you. The end. And in the book, I like that she was forever ruthless. <laughs> yeah, both she didn't take yeah. her foot off her neck at all. Yeah. She was take no prisoners in the book. But in the book, I felt like her beef with Jenna was stupid. Like, I 100% (laughs) felt like her beef with Jenna was shallow. The whole fiancé thing, that was... Yeah, like, you were sleeping with my fiancé, and and Jenna's whole thing was, he said he was single. What am I supposed to do with that? Like, you have a beef with me over a man that apparently had no problem lying to me about what was going on at home. How, How was I supposed to know that you were with him? Like, Especially in the book, because it doesn't take, like, we're getting into social media by the time the book starts. When all these things happen with Darcy, there is no social media. Unless somebody is telling you, like, oh, girl, I saw your man with such and such. So how is Jenna supposed to know that that girl is, like, with him? Like, what's you mad at me for? She was supposed to know through osmosis and ESP. Like, yeah, I it, Okay. How? Like, well, I think that what her problem was, was the same thing that I said about her disappointment in Eric and not being like the killer instinct is that she expected Jenna to have it because she said that like, yo, you've been getting all of these jobs. You've had this charm life where I didn't have it and you just kind of fall into it. So yeah, the man was a bullshit thing because we both know that it wasn't a love match. I mean, it was obviously some type of a benefit to her beyond the dick that she was kind of concerned about like yo i know you ain't coming over here to fuck up my bag so i think that the issue that she had with jenna was more or less you didn't have to fight like i had to fight and you took it for granted because you didn't get what you wanted so instead of you forcing your way i think that the way that darcy was written in a book jenna accused brian of not touching her for a year but she would have found some way of getting pregnant. Like, yo, if me getting pregnant is what I want, well, that's going to happen with or without your consent. That's the way that Darcy was kind of written and rolling in a book. And the fact that you didn't and you allowed it to beat you, what the fuck, girl? You had everything. You had everything I wanted. And you get you hit a snag and you went crying back to Virginia? I think that that was really what it beat was. 
But with Darcy, it feels like she's just jealous of Jenna because Jenna's good at things. Or because Jenna didn't have to sacrifice herself to get the things she wanted. But at the end of the day, Darcy didn't either. Darcy felt like she had to be conniving. Nobody told her she had to be. Like, I think, I no think one told her, told her that, but life didn't tell her. But in the books, Darcy left her child at home and went to school, went to college, made this life, and then came and got Eric. That was also something about the movie that I didn't like. Eric talked about Otis and says he was killed in at two when he was two, but in actuality, Otis in the book dies when he's like nine or ten. So he has a much larger idea of kind of like who he is and the things that he taught him. And I don't like the fact that they shortened that as if Eric just had to get to know him and Darcy was jealous of Otis because of that. And I'm like, no, Darcy was jealous of Otis because Eric basically thinks that Otis hung the moon while Darcy's like, I did everything for you. Why do you like him more? And it all boils down to Otis was there. Darcy was not. And that's something that we lose. I know that feeling. Me too. I know Darcy's feeling. Do you want to talk about Lady D, that scene from the book? I'm not entirely certain. I think we did get a little bit of it in the movie where she talked about motherhood and like, don't look at me that way because of, like she wasn't the typical mother of baking cookies and being there like like you were saying, Madame Lizette. Um, that it, that her mothering was very different. In the book, Eric was very, very, very wary of any praise. He was like, no, she's a demon. And anything that she, any praise that she gives you comes with a cost or something else. But um, he knew who his mother was. And of course, Jenna knew Darcy as professional rivals because of nothing else. We are talking about Black women in the publishing industry. This book took place in 2012. And it wasn't a lot of them. So they were forced interactions. And I think that's something else that I think we ought to talk about besides the conversation about being a mother. It's the fact that when you are one of two only Black people or very few Black people, I can have beef with you in private, but we got to put up a public front of solidarity for these white folk. We used to do that. I, I went to a lot of predominantly white institutions and we black folk used to do that all the time. I could hate you. I'm like, you bitch. However, let somebody white say something. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. We won't be doing that. And like, we never let it be known that we had individual beefs. So I think that the same was true with Darcy and Jenna in the publishing industry and the front that they had to put up with each other. So there, there was that mutual respect because, you know, I know how hard this industry is. And like you said, Madame Lizette, you're doing good work in this industry, which is why she took Jenna in for a job after her hiatus, because she was like, I know you can, you have the skill set for what I need in this endeavor. But I don't know if Darcy actually respected Jenna or if she realized she could use her. I don't think she respected Jenna. Yeah, I don't think she respected Jenna at all. And I also don't think Darcy was like hiding the fact that her and Jenna had issues because Darcy has issues with everybody. If you didn't have the issues with Darcy, something was probably wrong with you, right? Like I I I don't think that no. it was a like, I don't <laughs> think it was, was right. Like, 
or right with you, right? I don't think there was any solidarity with Darcy and anyone else, regardless of if like they were a black woman, white woman, male, whatever. Like I don't think that was the case, at least not the character that we get in the book. It honestly and truly just feels like in the book more so in the than the movie. Darcy was here for self. She had a child because she couldn't like she decided she wasn't getting an abor- abortion, and some of that feels feels like in hindsight just a way to spite her parents and not so much because she wanted to be a mom at 16 and then in the movie they try to soften it up and she's like we're gonna be related but like if we were talking about Darcy in the book Darcy had been like that ain't my grandchild y'all figure it out well after she fired her in the books we never hear anything else yeah like we don't know what her feelings are about it but I don't think that it was going to be something with like open arms and come to my red carpet. Like that's not the character Darcy was no. in the books. Well, she'd definitely be like, I need that DNA test. <laughs> to well, prove, yeah. They proved that's my grandson. Well, yeah, but she also Eric talked about motherhood about differently. Huh? Eric joked about that in the movie though. What did he say? When the movie, when that whole reveal came about, he was like, um, this is a, Thing for the paternity test for um he he, gave her, he, he, he faked like he, he had a paternity test but it was supposed to come up yep he did he did what do y'all think about how he responded to getting the news that he's a father and I know you hinted at it Madame Lizette but that change of being told in advance versus two years later I randomly run into you and I was like, oh, you see that kid over there with the lisp? Carbon copy of you. Funny news. He's yours. And I named him Otis. Suck it, Darcy. So it's kind of like, what did you think about that significant change? So who wants to go first? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I felt like the movie should have stayed true to the book. That was the, mm-hmm. that was the good part of the book for me was she went ahead and was like, okay, I'm going to be a mom. Um, you know, not going to tell him whatever. He's got his whole life ahead of him. I, I wanted to be a mom because my time was ticking and then they run into each other and you know, the love is still there. This is also your kid. That was the part that they should have did. They should have broke up and went their separate ways in the movie to come back together accidentally and find out you're a parent. I didn't like that they didn't put it in the movie. So same. It felt like in spots, and like I said about the like black women tropes and how they try to make women be more supportive or at least in connection or unison with each other in the movie, which in the book we don't really experience that all the time. Um, That ending felt like a very good way to like clean up something that they didn't agree with. And the one thing that I talked about when I said, like, I liked the book and, like, where I ended up at the end was that I'd be the first one to admit them first five chapters. I was like, girl, Jenna, look, sweetheart, like, we can fight about it because you're annoying. By the time I got to the end of the book, I was like, oh, my goodness, Jenna, you've grown so much. I love this woman that you've become. This is so dope. And I feel like they took all of that away from me, especially by changing the ending. Like, the ending was a way to show, at least in my opinion, that, yes, she loved Eric, but she also realized they were in two different spots in their lives. And so she knew the decision and the choice that she was going to make, and she decided to make it alone. 
without Eric's help, without Darcy's help, by herself. This is a decision that she wanted to make, and she was willing to deal with whatever those consequences was. Regardless if she ran into Eric, you know, five or six years later, or if she didn't run into Eric ever again. Like, she had decided, I'm having this child. Changing that ending in the book makes it look or feel like Jenna didn't have the same set of confidence in the at the end of the movie that she had in the book. In the book, Jenna has that child. She reveals, you know, three years later that she had a child and she's standing in her decision. She's confident in her decision. And she looks at Eric and says, you don't have to be around if you don't want to. I've been raising this child by myself. But yes, that kid happens to be yours. And she doesn't tell Otis immediately that that's his father. She's like, oh, this is just a friend of mommy's. In the movie, to see her be like, spoiler alert, like, and hand over her sonogram, I was like, girl. you. And then to eventually say, like, well, I don't need him. Well, if you didn't need him, why'd you tell him? Women have babies every day where they don't tell the father that they have a child. Um. Yeah, I don't agree with that. They should know, and how they if they choose not to be involved. I mean, that still makes them an ass, but they should know. Oh no, I totally agree with that. But it felt like a way for the movie to clean up that and like, well, let's not get criticism for how we end it. And I'm like, but the book is a decade old at this point. Like, if the book didn't get that much hate for the ending, I think you'll be fine if the movie ends this way. And that ending, like like I said, felt way more significant because it showed Jenna's growth by the time we got to the end of all of it. Before Mo uh, like jumps in, a lot of people hated that ending. And they felt as though it made Jenna unlikable. But what I think that people really disliked was that Eric was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, he didn't have, like, yo, you kept this from me? Like, no anger whatsoever. It was like, okay, yeah, okay, cool. Like, you made the right decision. Mm -hmm. And people felt like he should have shown anger, should have questioned it more, something other than just immediate acceptance. So it was really split in 50-50 about how people felt about the ending and Numa. Perrier, who directed the movie, did do some um, interviews and said that the reason why they changed it is because this is a rom-com and they felt like that ambiguity and that 50-50 split would have made Jenna unlikable where her attempt was showing Black love. And regardless of how we felt about it as book readers and Darcy, to have Darcy was like, look, I'm not going to do this with you. And like, that's my grandchild and, you know, one love, like that was a form of black love. Right. And at the end and everything, like them all coming together and, and essentially in the red carpet, we did get a have happily ever after. And that's what she wanted to show and give you or give the viewer where we kind of got it or it was left open ended. In the book, it was full of possibility. Now, if you read Seven Days in June, you know that they're still together. So, you know, it's there, but it wasn't the same. What do you think, Mo? When I saw, the, when I saw this reveal, it reminded me of Eric Jerome Dickey's Liar's Game. So the main character in the book 
he had a brief affair with another woman and they didn't find out until years later that he saw when he, I guess they were going on, I guess the character was going on vacation with his family and saw the woman that he was messing with and the daughter that he said was like the the splitting image of him. So basically it was just like seeing that in this book, going back to that and I was just like, you know, well, people have their reasons for not wanting to reveal. We may not agree with it, but they have their reasons. You know, things might have happened. It might have, might have been what that reality was supposed to have been. So they just kind of just took their ball and ran with it that way. But in this book, they're not saying anything. They had a big argument in Darcy's office and that was just the end. It was just like when she got fired and she left, that was just all she wrote. And she didn't try to just say, like, well, I guess the last time they had sex and whatnot, they, that's when she found out she had gotten pregnant. And she was just like, you know, the next three years, oh, I'm going to just raise this kid as my own. And all of a sudden, oh, that's Eric in the park with us, blah, 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 blah. And I want you to meet someone. And it's like, <laughs> what are you? It's like, wait, what? <laughs> He's just sitting there like, oh, he looks just like me. His name is Otis. And I guess people are coming to see Otis, but I digress. Um, <laughs> but it was just, you know, just seeing this. It was just like, I wish they would have just kept this in the book ending. If they had to tweak it in a certain way, that'd be fine. But just don't be so. Um, I don't even want to say matter of fact, just like, okay, this is just what, how we want to do it. Kind of like creative and wrestling, so to speak. You like, you see what that end, you know what the end is going to be, but you want to go a different way. Get me there a different way. Don't take the convenient route and getting me there. Just go another route, add some, a different spice to it, and then let's get to that um, end right there. So, in the movie, the last time she sees Eric is him basically like allowing his mother to talk to her any kind of way and not supporting Jenna so if she decided obviously this man does not want me based off of like or does not want me because his mother is going to you know stop supporting him or whatever if she decided that I'm going to have a child by myself then the motivation is there because when I watched that scene and Darcy was like, the grown women are talking. Why are you talking? And Jenna looks at him and she's like, we, we, we fell in love. And he is not able to convey that back to Darcy while he's caught them in their lie or whatever. Jenna could say, like, I didn't think you were ready. Like, you didn't support me when I had to, when, you know, all of this stuff went down with your mom. I felt like I was putting you in a rock in a hard place. I decided to have this child by myself. That would have been fine. I think also something else with like what you said, JJ, and showing black love. I'm okay with showing black love, but it's it's not like it's odd for someone to have a child and the father not know, or for the father to know that there's a child walking around that looks like them, but they decided they weren't ready to be a parent. Those options and, and things exist. And I know I said this when we were reading the book, but the one thing that I wanted to see in a sequel is Eric adjusting to the fact that he found out he's a father. Like, that anger and stuff can come when the shock is over. And in the book, there is this shock of like, oh shit, this child has my list. He has my father's name. He looks like me. And like, Eric in a form is kind of excited and giddy. He's also a little bit older. 
And so it makes sense that he's not immediately like, how dare you keep this from me, right? That can come later. And I know Tia never wrote another book about them, but we do know, like you said, in Seven Days of June, they're still together. But that anger, that adjustment could come in a sequel if necessary. The book ended there and that made it the ending. So we didn't get to see all the feelings and anger and emotion. But I think it's okay to, even in Black love, show Black love of, I decided to keep my child and raise this child by myself. And that's okay. Like, that's a different type of Black love, but it's still love that involves two Black people. You don't have to be happily ever after. Especially in because in Tia's book, in the actual book, there is no happily ever after. We assume there is one because he doesn't jump down her throat, or at least people try to assume that. But for me, I was like, there's going to be an adjustment period. They may, you know, still live separately for a while. They're going to go through some things. Like, I was okay with that ending because it felt genuine. It felt realistic. It felt motivated. This uh, this new ending just kind of felt like a cop-out because... Even having this child together, they're not back together as a couple. And being a child's parent or parents does not save a relationship. It doesn't fix all your problems. There are plenty of people every day who are like, got married, had kids, got divorced. And we just learned how to co-parent. There's still no happy ending in that ending either. Very true. Look, having kids does not save relationships. Unless you yes. both really wanted to be parents and then finally have a kid. But in general, kids don't save relationships. No. And so this still feels like a cop out of like, we didn't want y'all to be mad at us if they didn't end up together. I mean, they didn't end up together anyway. The book was not written. The ending itself, and maybe, and I haven't read anything about this from the author. So it could be that that's not her intentions. The ending of the book makes me feel like everything's up in the air. Eric's doing his art. He's doing his film. He's traveling. Jenna is teaching. Jenna and Otis have their own lives. Like, it, there is nothing about that that makes me think like, oh, they lived happily ever after and had eight more kids. Like, nothing about that makes me think that they they got together. Not in this book. In Seven Days in June, there is. Um, here's what I will say about romance novels. It doesn't just have to have a happily ever after. It could be happily for now or a hopeful future. So when I talked about some people saying that they wish that Eric showed more emotion, the fact that he didn't blow up in anger gave a suggestion of a hopeful future. What I saw in the book that's different from the movie was the fact that, as you said, Madame Lizette, Jenna's relationship with Maymay and her being an involved godparent and the desperation where you understood that Jenna stood 10 toes down and the future that I see for myself or I envision for myself involves children. So that I think that in the book and in the movie, this pregnancy wasn't planned. And she got pregnant because I think that she had cold and she said something like, you know, Sudafed or whatever it was, antibiotics canceled out birth control and here we are where they weren't together when she found out that she was pregnant and that she knew being who she was that she was ready to be a mother she felt like her time was running out and this was non-negotiable but that's not where he was in life so that black love again was like I love you enough to let you go and live your life because I have a village who is willing to support me. Because remember, 
in a book like she moved near Elodie and it was like around a quarter from Billy and Jay and May May and that they all are raising baby together and that May May and Billy are like siblings and things of that nature so this boy is surrounded by love and growing up well it was more or less the lines of if you love something let it go and Jenna was saying to even to Eric and to anybody else I cannot hold him here and not allow him to live his life and flourish and develop in a way where he may resent us because this is what I need at this point in my life I needed to be a mother for me to be complete that's not what he needed but and and remember he wasn't in New York he was traveling to shoot his film it was in different festivals. So when she saw him, it was like serendipity. Her village was there and they were like, oh shit, like, you know, like this is destiny. Like you, we're, we're going to support you no matter what. She tentatively, but did invite Eric to meet his son. So it was like, oh, That's you're true. here. Let me tell you this. So it took me a minute. Cause at first I was like, I don't know, but I sat with it and I was like, you know what? I'm okay with it. I think that part of my problem is that I don't generally jive with age gap romances. And I think that a lot of the critique that we have for Jenna and for Eric in this relationship, I have to be very careful that it's not misogynistic and that we have all this expectation for Jenna to know better when we don't have it for other romances where it's the man who's 40 who is employing the daughter of his best friend or somebody else and then they get it on and it's all this nasty you know billionaire bdsm shit you know dark romance or whatever and it's like shit in the best way but it's it's like nobody blinks an eye at that where i don't want to be or i don't want to engage with overly critical critique where it's like jenna should know better why you know, it's still somebody she was jiving with and whatever else. And he is legal and the consent was there and she didn't try to trap him. So I didn't really like her telling him because I felt like it was rushed. And I felt like his response to being told in advance was the response that people wanted Eric to have for not being told and then saying, here's this two-year-old. But see, my issue with that, his response in the movie feels very immature because it becomes a, Darcy puts you up to this. And she's like, what? Like, I ain't talked to your mama. I ain't been around your mama. I have no reason to see your mother. Your mother fired me. I got a different job, which you know about. So it's not like I'm coming to you on some, like, I need some financial help. So I'm blackmailing you and your mother into giving me money. Like, you know that I'm working. You know that I'm taking care of myself. Something else that I, by comparison, in, or in the books, Jenna is established. That child is three years old. If she wanted to tell you about a child for any reason to like use you or whatever, it wouldn't be when he's three. On top of the fact that we tell women all the time, you know, if you decide to keep the child and the father doesn't want to be involved, the responsibility is yours. And even still, even if the father is around and chooses to be involved at any point in time, more times than not, you are a single parent because women are charged with doing all the childcare and everything for their children. So 
put in a sense, like us showing us your consequences. So Jenna decided that she wanted to have a child. She kept her child. And in keeping her child, she took care of her child, right? She didn't ask anything of Eric. And like you said, it was serendipity that her and Eric saw each other anyway. And I think if I remember correctly, she wasn't going to go speak to him. Like he's walking from the subway. He doesn't see her. She sees him. And she's like, I don't know if I should go like speak or not. So it wasn't like she was on some like, I'm going to tell you about your child today because that makes the most sense. It was more of a, wow, I have not seen this person who I still have very strong feelings for. And I want to be able to like at least speak. It could have just been like, are you doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing good. Okay, that's great. I hope you have a good one. You too. And they walk away and Eric still never knows that one of those childs in the playground was his, right? I understand people wanting Eric to be angry and I get that. But let's not act like either ending that Jenna was taking the choice of being a parent from him. Women are in control when it comes to their body and having children. Or at least they were because... In today's generation, not so much. We've lost all those privileges, but in many states. But in the grand scheme of things, you are in charge of being able to be on birth control, not be on birth control, use condoms, not use condoms, keep a child, not keep a child. She decided to keep a child. Not She wasn't trying to put Eric on child support. She wasn't hunting him down. It just kind of happened that she met. Like, he got to meet his child in that moment. I don't think that's how Jenna planned it out to be. Okay. Well, I think we've gone through some seriousness of the book and the movie. So, I'm going to ask, which was your favorite, the movie or the book? Mine's going to be the book. I feel like all of us are probably going to say the book at this point. (laughs) Yeah, for me, the book definitely fleshed out more, developed the characters more. It was like the movie was an adaptation, so you knew things were going to get deleted, added, recreated. So I like the book more. Yes, yeah, a three-peat. I can tell you what I really liked about the movie was the music and some of the, the collages and the artistic flourishes. I think Numa Perrier is a really great director and I liked it. I think I would have liked it more if it had more time. So there was things to love about the movie, but for what was it, like an hour and 40 minute read, if you tacked on like maybe another 20 minutes, I could have finished the book in that same time. And I felt that I would have gotten more development in the same amount of time invested. So do we know why the movie was so short? Because that would be like my first thing. And I know like we'd be out here watching, you know, superhero movies and they're two or three hours long and we enjoy those. And maybe they're like, y'all get sick of those. So we don't want to make a rom-com that long. There's still rom-coms that are two hours, two hours right. and two minutes, so you can flush things out. This and is I, not flushed. And I also think that if you are adapting a book that has been out for, what, a decade almost, don't you think that fans would notice the weird changes you made or how it feels a little, like, discombobulated in places and not as cohesive as it feels in the book? Like, wouldn't you want to include some of those justifications And it's just, it's legitimately like a couple of scenes at the scene in where she's sitting at May May's program and they're having this conversation about her and, you know, Eric being from different lives and not being in the same part in their lives. Show the scene where Eric is with Tim and they're in the club and Eric's and Tim's basically, and I didn't even like this scene in the book, but Tim basically saying like, 
your girl ain't never gonna come around here. You think she gonna be in the club with us smoking a blunt and dancing to loud ass music? Fuck no. Like she's grown. Those small scenes, five, ten minutes that you could add, make their relationship feel more complicated and more deep and passionate than like the snippets of their lives that we got and then bam, they're done. What else do we have on this movie slash book do we need to discuss? Can I read something? Sure. Okay. So I was listening to some commentary on the book alone on YouTube. And I came across this comment, a section. I I apologize because I don't remember the, which video it came in, but I took a screenshot of the comments and I wanted to read it and get your response. This is, oh, Actually, this it, this comes to the part of the recommendation that I have, which is about Robin Lee's The Idea of You, who's also written, it's sisterly in a lot of ways. Um, Robin Lee, that name may sound familiar to you because she's an actress. She was on Hat Plenty. She was in, I think, Deliver Us from Eva with Gabrielle Union, like whichever one where she was like four adult sisters. She was one of the sisters. And the book that she That was wrote, Deliver Us from Eva. It was? Oh, yes. Awesome. So the idea of you is also an age gap romance where it's an older woman who is also like close to 40. Or as my aunt used to say, once you hear 35, you were looking at the skirt of 40. So she was looking at the skirt of 40 and a 20-something-year-old posh, white, British pop star. In this book... The mother meets Hayes, who is one of the members of is like a five directionist type of a group. And Hayes is very similar to a Harry Styles. Meets him at a meet and greet. He's quite attracted. They engage in a romance. And uh, it's not a romance per se. It is women's fiction with a heavy romantic leaning. So having said that, this uh, comment was for I, the idea of you, but it talks about age gap romances. So I want to read it and get your opinion. As an older man who reads romance novels once in a while, yikes, can't believe I admitted that. When it comes to age gap romances, I prefer it when the older party is the woman. Let's be frank. In the public consciousness, an older man is considered easy pickings for a sexy young woman. That scenario doesn't create much tension in the drama unless they do something like make the younger woman his best friend's daughter or something weird like that, which to me cheapens it all or makes it downright gross. When the woman is older, it's much more interesting. The younger man has to work very hard and be such a mature, sophisticated person to win over a savvy, smart, independent, older woman. It creates a lot of exciting tension, drama, and suspense. The usual trope is a younger bad boy who sort of crashes into her world and knocks her off her normal axis, which is what she, quote, needs because she's so conventional, been so hurt, and so worried about what the world thinks that she's effectively isolated herself from living life. That's fine, but it's not believable because a high-value woman Ooh, that's difficult to say. A high value woman is not going to be content with a man 
who she doesn't feel is her intellectual and situational peer, her equal. She might have a fling, but you'll never believe for a moment that they'll last. Robin Leach subverted all of that. I'm actually going to stop right there because then we get into the idea of you and some things that are specific to that book. But I just wanted to read that part about the older woman and the younger man and what he has to bring to the table to entice her to get over the fact that she is quote like old enough to be her mother like one of the things that i had such a problem with in both the book and the movie was some of the language they used to describe eric like he's a fetus he's a toddler i mean it wasn't just like he's younger but it was like an infantilization that I felt was kind of difficult to get over, especially if it's not normally the type of book that you would read. And for me, I'm, it's not normally the type of book that I would read. So for you to, to always throw it in my face that he's much younger, not like, oh, he's so much younger. What do we have in common? Our music is different. You know, something along those lines. But no, you were like, no, he's a fetus. The fuck you want to look at a fetus for? You know, like sexually, it's, it's, it got to me a little bit weird. But when you get over that fact and you're just two people with the same interest or, you know, where, where the connection is so palpable that age doesn't matter in that way is because you're adults and consenting, then I could get with it. So I ask you, what do you think about his statement and uh, the chemistry? Do you really buy them as a couple? And how do you feel about age gap romances in general? So... I have like gripes about his comment as a whole, um, but we don't have to focus on that too much. In this situation, I actually enjoyed this age gap romance because one thing that the author did um, was show the things that they liked that were mutual. So like their ability to talk about old films, want to watch old films, the kinds of conversation that they had, it flowed very easily for two people who were not a part of what you would call the same generation felt like Eric was just as much as in control and could make his own decisions about Jenna and Jenna could do the very exact same thing there was not a power struggle at points it felt because of the fact that Eric was Darcy's son it felt like Jenna felt this pressure of I'm going to lose my job or my job is connected to this so if anything goes wrong I'm fucked while Eric was able to kind of just like flow through this because I mean, even her mama does fire me, she pay my rent. Like, I live with her, right? So, Jenna had this this threat to her. And I think in some of these age gap type books, the older person always holds the position of power. They're always way more established. They have less to lose than whatever, like, the younger person has. Because, I mean, younger person, even if it is the bad boy who goes after, you know, the really successful high value woman, or if it is the best friend's daughter who sleeps with her father's best friend, like, the daughter may be disowned and not have anything when this is over with. That old man's going to go back to whatever life family he has. Like, yeah, it'll be a scandal, but people will get over it or he'll buy his way out of it. Um, And then even in that, you know, young hot guy walks walks into the high value woman's life. Like, she's established, she's successful, she has nothing, like, she's good. This person or, you know, the, the boy, the gentleman or whatever, he is usually coming back or in some cases usually has some type of 
tragic dark past. This is his third strike. He fucks us up. He's done for. Whatever. There is there the younger person always feels like they have something something to lose. While in this situation, it always felt like Jenna was the one who had something to lose, and she wasn't in a position of power because Darcy, even at how awful of a mother that she was. She was never going to throw her son out or sacrifice him or get rid of him. Because if she was going to do that, she would have done it by now, right? Like, there are parts of her in the book and the movie that feel like you don't really like being a mother. You didn't, you don't have the same motherly genes as some women have or what they, what we perceive a good mother to be. So I get what you're saying, JJ, about how they talked about Eric. I think they did a better job of it in the, in the movie than they did in the books, um, but they still at points made him feel like he was 12 and not somebody who's like 23, 24, 25 with a master's degree and going after that thing that's really important to him, um, and developing his career. They, they made him feel like he was directionless at times in both, but I think the, the, the movie did a better job of portraying his character and his age different. Okay, so... You want to know how we feel about age gap romances in general. Um, Actually, I kind of agree. You know, much older man and younger girl, woman, it's kind of eh. It's different if you're an adult adult, like you're 40 and you date someone that's 60 versus you're 60 and you're dating a 20 year old especially a guy that's like y'all have anything generally in common i mean and the same can be said for if it's a woman and a guy but somehow guys tend to step up to the plate when it's an older woman and i know women are a little more mature than but i don't know seems like grandpa dad dating their daughter or granddaughter versus you know women even older even of the less melanated we tend to still not necessarily always look our age if you're with the younger man plus the maturity thing i just feel like it's kind of icky super super old man with super young girls then there's nothing it's it's more like I feel like it's daddy issues. And this is from the person who dated somebody that was 20, almost 20 years older than her for 10 years. I'm not going to say anything. You told me yourself. And I'm the one that's drinking. Um, hey, I just said, but there is a difference. We were all whole grown adults. Like we had, we both had whole lives. We had kids. Our children are the same age. That's different. We have a whole lot of things in common versus being the other way around i'm 20 and a sophomore in college and he's old enough to be my dad so for clarity in the romance category are you saying that you would read more of an older woman younger man aka may december romance than you would if it was a an older man younger woman is that what yeah. i'm hearing that's what you're hearing. Yeah. I mean, unless unless their experiences are equal, which again, at tw- if it's a 20-year-old and a 60-year-old, their experiences aren't going to be equal in life. A 40-year-old and a 60-year-old 
their experiences can be equal in life. Because at some point, everybody's worked, may or may not have had children, you know, may everybody may or may not have traveled, but you, you have more equal experiences. The other way, guys always seem to get away with doing more, getting to do more in life if he's younger than a young girl does. Because they're less protected. Mo, what do you think? I think, you know, when you have those type of romances, you know, things just not always. I mean, I know in this book, it just seemed, it just came with a happy ending, but it doesn't always necessarily be that way. Like, for instance, um, my mother, when she first got married, her husband was definitely... 30 years older than her. Well, it's something like that. It was like he was in his like 50s and she was barely, she was like 22, 23, and her, his youngest daughter was her age and everything. And it was a whole bunch of drama behind that and everything. So it's not always like the bright side, like written in this book. There's a dark side element to it too. And, you know, with the, with this, I mean, if you're dating somebody that's older than you, you know, it's, it has to be obviously something there, some kind of chemistry there between the two parties, you know, otherwise then and they wouldn't be together. You know, something had to click there. And I know people might have jokes, you know, saying like, oh, that person's too old. You know, kind of like how, like, if you watch like the 90s sitcoms, it was, and if it was like somebody dating, like somebody dating an older person, they was you know making jokes like especially on Martin when they was like saying he was um, riding the freedom um, when Pam was dating um dating the guy Simon and she was they was like and Cohen said something about he was on the freedom train you know they, people got jokes and stuff like that it's just like I said chemistry has to be there things have to click but you know in real life it's not always that good side it's always it's something else that happens as well, as well too so you have to be aware of what's going on what's going on there you know with, with the parties involved and just have to let people enjoy the relationship their relationships that they find themselves in you know and you know hope and hope for the best and how do you feel about age gap romances is that something that you will read I'll read it if the story, you know, stands out and everything. And, you know, as I'm reading along, I'll read it and enjoy it. But if it's not, the storyline's not grabbing my attention, then I'll just put it to the side. Every one of those did not finish. (laughs) Well, in that case, on August the 1st, there may be another book for you all. It's called The Art of the Scandal by Regina Black. And if you don't mind, or with your permission, uh, should I read the synopsis? Sure. Yes. All right. On the night of her husband Matt's 40th birthday, Rachel Abbott receives a sexy, explicit text from her husband that she quickly realizes was meant for another woman. Divorce is inevitable, 
and Rachel is determined not to leave her 13-year marriage empty-handed. Meanwhile, Matt, a rising star mayor with his eye on the White House, can't afford a messy split in the middle of his re-election campaign. They strike a deal. Rachel gets $1 million and their lavish house in the wealthy D.C. suburb of Oasis Springs as long as she keeps playing the ideal Black trophy wife until the election. Then Rachel meets Nathan Vasquez, a very handsome, very lost, 26-year-old artist, and their connection makes Rachel forget about being the perfect politician's wife. As Rachel reawakens Nathan's long-dormant artistic aspirations, their attraction becomes impossible to resist, but secrets are hard to keep in a town like Oasis Springs, and Nathan has a few of his own. With the risk of scandal looming and their hearts on the line, they'll have to decide whether the possibility of losing everything is worth taking a chance on love. The Art of Scandal is a sizzling, conversation-starting debut about rekindling passion, the transformative power of art, and finding love in unexpected places. So what y'all think? Y'all interested? I'm pretty sure you sent this to me like a, like at least six months to a year ago, and I was interested in it then. I'm so interested in it now. Mm-hmm. There is, I guess you would say a power dynamic because she is a politician's wife so she has all these connections he's the aimless designer or artist who doesn't have a bunch of stuff but even if you strip it down like she's the older woman who doesn't or it sounds like she doesn't really have much of anything that is her own and that's why she's sticking this out so that she can get something at the end so i still feel like even in this age gap romance she has everything to lose and he doesn't, but that's just maybe how I'm looking at the plot and how it was described on the summary. Mo, would you read it? Lady D? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe because I have a whole stack of like 50 books to read that I don't need another one to add. I mean, that's just the art of reading, right? Like your TBR list never diminishes. But if, if like for me, I don't normally read age gap romances, but The Perfect Fine was one I thought, okay, dipping my toe into the May-December romances, it wasn't so bad. Robin Lee's The Idea of You. Also, I would say with that one, she is Black. Her main character, Selene, is just described as French, and Hayes is white. So that's not a Black love. But in and this uh, the art of scandal, she is. It sounds like she is black, and Nathan Vasquez. We don't know. Could be Afro Latino. Could be Latino. We don't know yet because it hasn't been released. Uh, those are three. If you don't mind age gaps, or if you like it, and made December romances, you know, for you to read a little bit more. All right. Do we have any final thoughts? On the perfect find, the movie, the book, um, May December romances, or anything else that revolves around this movie and or book. I would say read the book; it's better. The movie <laughs> is still funny for what it like what it is. The movie I think is still enjoyable. Um, and as far as May December romances go, if we could just let go some of these weird 
power dynamic tropes. I think that May December romances could work. Also, maybe let's not do these, you know, 15, 20, 30, 40 year gaps. Um, I don't know what the qualification is for a May December romance, but like 10 years, I think is enough to be able to establish a romance with somebody and call it a May December, but I'm not sure if that's how that works because it is still a pretty big gap and more than likely you're in different generations. But I think that you can write a good May-December story without the weird, I'm sleeping with my best friend's daughter. She's 18, I'm 45, and married. Her and my son are best friends. Like, you could write something better. Or 26-year-old loner ruins famous lawyer's life or whatever, or crash makes her life fall out of into pieces like I think that those those types of stories and those types of tropes um are overplayed it could why not just be like they bump into each other they work together like I work with someone now like not saying that I'm attracted to him or anything like that but like I'm for the first time in a long time at a job where I'm not the baby so there is actually someone who is younger than me there is also like my CFO who I'm pretty sure is like a decade or two older than me we spend plenty of time together. Like there is a way to write that without it feeling like the 18 year old is being taken advantage of, or the person who's in the younger role, the junior role is being taken advantage of, or the woman is not some like weird damsel in distress because he took me out of my comfort zone. Like you can write those and it could feel better. So two things. Didn't like how, they just dismissed Jinx in the movie. I mean, Jinx had a, a bigger role in the book, but in the movie, it was just like she was a twin, and that was like the only time we saw her. And also, um, Suki, who was played by Winnie Barlow, in the book, played the major role as to how Jenna and Eric is discovered, but in the book, it was just like, oh, this is, she's, they kept the part in there when she discovers that they both two are together, but how Darcy found out was through her and they didn't, they obviously dropped the cutting room floor. So that was just the, the, the last two things I had to say about it. That reminds me, the target scene is one of my favorite scenes in the book and they just got rid of it. Like it didn't matter. And I was like, this part of the movie shows how her and her coworkers bond. And they're not just like twins who complete each other's sentences. Like dumbing those characters down to just, they're twins. It, I didn't like that either. I was going to say that that was part of the issue where I, I felt like in the book, it was showing that Darcy is a cruel queen bee and also the generation gap and the politics and how Jenna was a sweetheart. And then also how they taught her about style. Like, I think you said, Madame Lizette, that she was far more financially drained in the book than she was in the movie. So them trying to say, this is how you style on a budget in today's environment versus the budget that you had with being the style editor at Darzine and your, your, um, fashion context or whatever, which he still had, but like, this is how you do it. So that I think that that was a part of how she said, you know what, 
all these people have this personal, very cool style. And I think that having that montage in Target and those other places, understanding how discounts work, it fed into the idea of the web series from the book. And because they didn't go that right route in the movie and they didn't need them to have this unrequited crush on Eric and also discover the fact that Eric and Jenna were having that affair and stuff like that. I think that that's why they greatly reduced the role, but you know, I I was kind of disappointed in that too. And you know, I actually liked that change. The fact that the way that they found or the way that Darcy finds out that they're sleeping together is because she catches them sleeping with each other in the penthouse. I I like that ending better than the the original one, or at least that part of it better than the original one. But then that also made me think about the fact that like Suki was a very important person in the book because she ends up telling Darcy about how they get together. If you're not going to have that scene play out on the movie, or if you're just not going to have Suki and Darcy at the same place at all, then there's no reason to introduce her at all in the books because she's not how they found out. I thought that she was. I thought that Suki told her, like drunkenly came up to her at a party. That didn't happen in the movie. But in the movie, no. Like in the movie, Suki's like, oh my God, I shipped this. This is so dope. Oh, this is so great. Don't you know, Eric, that she discovered me? Like they do that whole scene. And then the way that Darcy walks in on them having sex is basically how we find out that Darcy like knows. If Suki is the one, or if I'm supposed to believe that Suki is the one who told Darcy, and that's why Darcy went home because she realized that Jenna was not at the office and Eric wasn't either, then you have to show Suki telling Darcy that. Because otherwise, from a like a viewer perspective, Darcy walked in on Eric giving Jenna head. That's that's how it comes off. Suki's character is not important, so why introduce her at all? And can I just say, age aside corniness aside girl what on him on my couch ew i thought it was weird in the books too i was like girl you have your own place you couldn't be like hey yo pack your shit up let's go like why are we fucking in his mother's home that he shares with his mother like i thought in the book it was a little weird in the movie it felt weird like it 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 felt like one of those moments where jenna was immature and we got to see that immaturity of her doing something that like high school her probably would have done or high school you might have done that adult you would be like girl i i'm past those days i can go home now right but in jenna's case you know like in the books which i wish they would have added that to the movie she was she was 14 when she got to college right she's a 12 year old when she got to college like in a mind perspective not in a physical perspective, she was a child when she got to college and Brian taught her so much. And part of her stumblings with Eric was the fact that like, she had only ever been with Brian. She had only ever followed Brian. Brian was the Bible basically. And so now she's having to make these decisions by herself. It makes more sense from that perspective than just being like, girl, you just, you don't want to go home. Just be like, Hey, Eric, pack your shit. We leaving. And speaking of Brian, I mean, we didn't say this, earlier but the only time we see him is when he shows up after his mother passed and it just felt weird that he popped up the only other mention that we saw was when uh, Elodie and Billy showed her the magazine article where he kind of sort of like mentioned her 
Uh-uh. But, he calls and leaves a voicemail and he sends her the the basket. So like we've gotten hints of him throughout the book. It was okay. not strange. Wait, no, the book or there. the movie? I mean in the movie. It was okay. strange that he was there. It was a little to me because I don't think that they did a good enough job explaining because she had been ignoring those overtures. So why would you show up to my house darn near in tears if I've been ignoring everything else? Well, but in the mo- in the book, we understand why, because they had been together 20 years and they had such a good relationship where she was Anna Banana, even though she said those weird things about Miss Kids, as Mo said. But and even she says in the book, like, I kind of loved Anna a little bit more than I loved my own mother. So in that context, I understood it. But in the movie, he was just the ex that devastated her. And she was ignoring. So you need a little bit more context of why he would show up and why she would be immediately like, oh, my God. They tried to clean it up by saying, like, I've been leaving you, you know, messages on your on your um, voice machine. Like they tried to clean it up and make it sound like he's been desperate to talk to her. And she's just been ignoring him, ignoring him, ignoring him. Instead, it felt like he called her once, left her a voicemail, sent her the package, talked about her in the magazine, and then showed up at her door. It, it is like that's one of those like disjointed parts between like the flow of the book of the movie is his desperation doesn't feel so desperate. No, want to see her doesn't feel so important. No, it almost feels like creepy and stalkerish. Like, oh, so now you're in the city. When you want to come join his harem, bitch? You know, like it was just weird but you know in the way that he just popped up versus us understanding like yeah because of the relationship that jenna had with anna that that might be a conversation that you want to have in person the fact that you know she gave Anna, like her chest of baby clothes. I mean, you know, and the stories of what you would tell your daughter, like she was the de facto daughter, that that is something that you would want to grieve together. Like it totally made sense in the book. And he just popped up, what the fuck are you doing here, sir? It was just, and you know, this DB, what's up? Like, you know, happy to see you. Love to see more of you. Why are you here again? Reese, you have like come cape for your man, Fogo, as to uh, why Brian just popped up on Jenna. When his mother died with no... He tried to get that old thing back. You know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to get that old thing back, but, you know, he wasn't having... I mean, she did the whole... In the in the movie, you know, she, she, she... I guess she did the right thing, you know, taking him home and everything. And then Eric kind of saw that whole thing play out, and then his ego got the best of him and everything. But that was just the thing. Brian wanted that old thing back, and nah. That thing was shut down, locked down, and we're go- it was going to be the Uso Penitentiary for him. But you know, I'm laughing. And what was the needle drop that they had? I think that they had some some songs. It was something about like walking in the rain. Like I saw you walking in the rain. Wasn't that it? The, yes, and yes. that was probably one of my favorite like needle drops. Honestly, I was like, that was a very good way to use that. Not even gonna hold you. <laughs> It was on the nose, but I'm like, you know what? I needed to be because the context wasn't there. It so. wasn't. 
And another part of the movie that doesn't actually take place in the books, and that's not where Eric even finds out about Brian or what that is. And then it just... I'm not... Like, I don't want to say that the movie is bad because I don't think the movie is bad. Like, I feel like if you have no background or context, the movie is probably a pretty good, like, rom-com that the ending kind of leaves it a little bit up in the air, I guess. But... There's so many things that they changed in the movie that as the person who read the book, it's just like, I want to like you more than I did, or I maybe I need to like you more and just think of you as something totally different than the than what I read in the books. Well, see, I do that. I'm like, look, I'm fine with the, the movie being different and making those changes. And we've talked ad nauseum about some of the changes that we like. If I'm being honest, I wouldn't revisit the movie the way that I would revisit the book. And by extension of that, I would say I would listen and I do encourage you all to listen to the soundtrack. So I that's something that I would definitely take from the movie is a soundtrack. There were, um, like we talked about, the very obvious needle drop that we liked. But what I liked about the soundtrack was that it had different genres of Black music throughout different time where it's still classic and it was still our music, our art. It crosses time and space and it knows no boundaries and it's still applicable. And I really like that. And, you know, like get put on to some of these concertos or whatever. So I would take that from the movie. Like I really appreciated them putting that together and giving it to us. And probably wouldn't revisit the Netflix movie. Also, fuck them and their their rate hike. So, you know, I'm just saying. That wouldn't have kept me keeping Netflix longer than what I needed it to. But I would re-enjoy the book. Okay. Well, I think that's pretty much it, right? Nobody else has for me. I think we could wrap it up and say goodbye. Our consensus is you need to read the book. Watch the movie for some light fare. Read the book for all that it's worth. All the plot details, all the character development, and for the real ending. All right. Yes. Well, I think since we have all said all that we want to say on The Perfect Fine, I think it is time for us to say bye-bye. So everybody, say your bye-byes for the night. Bye, everyone. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and I'll see you again soon. I will say that thank you for joining us for We launched a club on Fable called Ebonauts. E-B-O-N-A-U-T-S because we're Ebony astronauts. You know how to go. So thank you all for reading with us and and watching. I'm going to be honest. Some people read but didn't watch. And some people watched but didn't read. So I'm like, you know, for those readers, thank you. And we'll have another book pick coming soon. For those of you who watch, jump on a Discord. Let us know what you think if you you couldn't make tonight's uh, talk, but you still have things you want to say. I think all of us would be willing to engage with you on that. So that's it for me. Good night. All right. Good night, everyone. Thank you for joining us as always, Mo and uh, Madame Lizette. We will see you guys or talk to you next time. 
on our next episode. Good night. Five, four, three, two, one. Yo, did y'all see anybody? I know you couldn't, Madame Lizette. But on Twitter, niggas was not feeling this movie. <laughs> they weren't. Yo, I mean, uh, so many people were kind of like, I'm watching for the plot. The plot is Keith Powers because he's sexy. Like, that's it. Folk hated her hair, Gabrielle Union's hair. Yeah, that hair was not cute. That uh, hair was not nice. It, it was, was not horrible. cute. No. They hated her outfits. What did y'all think of the outfits then? No, I actually thought the outfits were cute. Like, the outfits, they were the flowy. Were fine. They felt fancy. I did, as much as a big deal they made, she made out of the dress to wear to the um her dinner party i expected something a little bit more jazzy and it wasn't but i thought outside of that one particular outfit i thought her outfits were cute can we mention well, how they changed the, the the name from the, the different the magazine names were different yeah from darzine darzine instead of thousand yeah. Yeah, I didn't like But that. I guess they felt I I wonder if Stylesign is owned by somebody and they didn't want to pay the credits for it. Okay, that like pay the copyright for it. I wonder if it's owned by somebody already. That would make a lot of sense. Right. Why are you gonna put your big head up there? And now she Lady H I mean Lady D in the background. <laughs> right. I got her. But you know what though? Like that makes a lot of sense because the only reason why I didn't like Darzine is because it was too close to Darling magazine, mm. which is where um, Jenna left her job from and yeah, was essentially fired. So I was like, I don't really like that, but I agree. Stalzine could have been a thing. One of the things that I also wanted to see, I'm saying all this like, yo, you know I'm probably going to find a way to put this in. But okay. one of the things that I kind of wanted to see it was the parodies of it because they said that they knew that this was a bona fide hit when they had when the gay community started parodying their web series, they had Jenna dresses like Glenda the Good Witch, and they would have people. Oh yeah, remember that? Yeah, like I would have wanted to see at least one parody of it, just so that people know it was hot. Especially because I think that that was one of the reasons why they were going to get that interview in the new yorker yeah i don't know like i said there were things that they took out but i was like this actually motivates your character or it gives your character growth or it's is integral to your plot even if it feels insignificant that they just kind of like nah y'all need to see that part all that stuff happened off scene or off screen um and if you're not a person who reads books or if you're a person who doesn't realize that the movie is based on a book then like you don't realize all the stuff you missed that was important to the the timeline and important to the plot. It is, it was, it was little things here and there that was just like, I don't want to say I didn't like it because I, I laughed. I thought the acting was, you know, decent enough. I thought the outfits looked good. Um, but I just had moments where I was just like, something's missing or someone's okay. missing. Okay. Wait. So let me say this. First of all, I'm willing to have the book be the book and the movie be the movie. But what makes the movie the movie or TV show the TV show adaptation is the is showing those things that they describe so cinematically, visually. And so that's when you don't have those things that are described visually that are supposed to be in another media. Like that should be in another media and it's not, 
then I do feel like they missed the mark because I'm like, this is a thing that was described to be shown visually that wasn't. Having said that, everything that you said that you liked, a lot of people didn't. So not only do they agree like something's missing, but they did say that the acting wasn't strong. They said that they didn't feel a lot of the chemistry between Keith and Gabrielle. And they hated the hair and they didn't like the the clothes and they felt like all of the budget was spent on the music especially mariah carey's christmas song of course you know she wasn't going to let it go for free hell no (laughs) get your coins queen so no and and so it's like dang the things that she was like all right i could do with that but this a lot of people who didn't read the book were like i got all i got all these issues and then felt something was missing, and I didn't even read the book. <laughs> well, so at parts, I felt like the acting, the acting felt a little bit too over the top, or did not feel natural. But I did feel like Gabrielle and Keith had chemistry. I just feel like they left out so many different pieces to show how Jenna and Eric get here that the chemistry feels like fake, like some of that is that the, it's not that the actors are doing a bad job some of it is just this movie was not shot well or it wasn't edited and cut well like i'm not sure which one or which one is it i mean so we're saying and again it's like look if you want something that's mindless you know and it's a little sexy although i did want it to be steamier i want it like bridgerton season one um Bye. huh Bye. nah i Bye. want kate <laughs> oh you want a kate yeah, Kate, man, give me that kind of steam. Like, re- the whole first part of it, before we get to the part where they actually get together, there's so much chemistry in them when they argue, the way they look at each other, the pinky thing. Like, there's the so much, Yeah, like, there's so yeah. much that we see that, like, Jenna and Eric wasn't giving us. <laughs> they didn't have time, and that was the thing, like I said. But I just want to know the why the decision was made to make the show, like, make the movie so short. Right. Like Netflix doesn't do two hour long movies just because. Or why not make it a limited series where we only do this for, you know, seven or eight episodes? Like there was a way to make that better. They could do it in three three to four episodes. They could have taken the British approach and they definitely could have done it. And maybe it was a budget thing, but just letting it breathe. And I feel like that's the thing. They did not let it breathe. I am with you right there. You're washing your hands. Also, yeah, because I'm the, about to take a shot. Also, I said the novel should have been written from the point of view of a man of like Eric and Jenna, you know, basically narrating yes, mommy. the story instead of going back and forth like like how the how it was written out and everything. But it's written in third person, right? Yeah. It, like, it, it third flips. Person. I would have done like a first yeah, but I would have done the first person viewpoint from both of their views. They what they did was they gave points of view from a lot of people. They gave it from Darcy. They gave it from the friends. They gave it from a lot of people. All right, I'm gonna let it go because like we got so much background noise, I, I can't clean that up. But oh, you're still they, recording? I thought we was done yeah, recording. My bad. No, uh, uh-uh, no. Now I'm gonna stop recording. Well, we said goodbye, so I figured we were yeah. done. Yeah, and that's what I said. I was right, like, yo, exactly. I'm gonna find a way to put some yeah, of this like, stuff in. Girl, I just came down here. Give me a shot. I re- Thanks for coming along on another fantastic journey. Don't miss an episode by subscribing to our podcast and your favorite pod catcher. 
Let us know what you think of this episode by tweeting us at watchwithyoupod, sending us an email at watchwithyoupod at gmail.com, or leaving us a review. And please spread the word. Add us to your syllabi and cite us.